The Deion Sanders era is upon us, but what does that mean? How is it different? We're going to talk about that on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I am your host, Kevin Borba. And today, we have a special guest, Adam Musantag. Oh, oh, I just butchered it. Dang it. Adam, say it again. Say it again for me. Kevin, we, we just went over this. I so. know. I just butchered, butchered it. <laughs> no, I, I, 43 years of people butchering my last name. I've gotten used to it. Last name is pronounced pronounced monster tiger like monster the, tiger the cheese I, and the big cat yeah i knew it too and i was like oh that's much easier than i thought and i went with my my um my pronunciation um we did it wrong that's okay we'll move on i guess um today well, Adam, you, you attempted it i've had people look at my last name and just say nah, <laughs> not, not even gonna try that one the embarrassing part is everybody we literally just talked about it i nailed it twice and then i came in froze the moment was too big for me um but the moment's not too big for adam we're gonna be talking about the Deion sanders era he's been through pretty much all of the eras of colorado football it feels like um we're gonna talk about some camp obs- observations and then we're gonna talk about the dreaded pac 12 or big 12 discussion um but before we do this episode is brought to you by bird dog um today's episode is brought to you by bird dogs go to birddogs.com locked on and when you enter promo code locked on college they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order okay adam apologies again um we'll get it eventually you know um, this is our first time talking with last names so we're getting there um me and adam met at the spring game or spring weekend if you will um but adam's been on the colorado beat for a hot minute i have not um so i wanted to get your perspective on the Deion sanders coach prime era of colorado football and how it's differed from carl Durrell, um the one year of <laughs> mel tucker and then everyone that precedes them oh gosh it's completely different than anything we've experienced uh there was an uptick in 2016 when colorado was starting to win games compete for the pac-12 south and there were more media folks around but we've never seen anything like what we saw post-game press conference of the the spring game uh in folks not being able to find a place to sit in a really big conference room uh, so it, it's completely different, and, and even the coverage is different now because Deion Sanders comes in and overhauls the roster, and there were a lot of guys on the roster this spring that this staff knew wasn't going to be back, and so they weren't going to have them talking to the media. So our interview structure was different this spring. It was all media scrum-based, which I totally understood uh, why, if you're a new head coach coming in, you want to be careful about who's talking to the media. I I get that. I think going forward, we'll probably go back to a more traditional model where you can get into more of the one-on-one interviews, which is is important because I think sometimes when you want to tell a story as a writer, there's a sequencing of questions in in the way that you want to approach the interviewee. And and sometimes in those media scrums, it's a little bit different. Uh, So that was different. Seeing that many people in Folsom Field for a spring game was massively different. We're used to... uh, having the ability to kind of look out there and count the bodies and then actually having a head count. Uh, so it, it's, it's totally different. It's awesome. I'm excited for Colorado fans that just seven months ago, were having such a hard time waking up on a Saturday and having the will to watch their team play because it was, yeah, it was tough covering that team. I, I can't imagine <laughs> if, if you're a CU alum and 
you throw on your CU hoodie and go to the grocery store, what that feels like when your football team is getting blown out by however the opponent wants to blow them out by. So it, it was rough. Um, Carl Durrell's personality couldn't be any more different than Deion Sanders. So just everything has been flipped on his head. It's been challenging uh, for even somebody that's been on the beat as long as I have. Uh, but it's been great to, to see the excitement around Boulder. It really has. And Adam's over there at 24-7. And they usually – I know you guys get a lot of like inside access a lot of the time. But with Coach Prime and this new – um, I guess era, as we continue to talk about the Deion Sanders era, um, like you said, it's been closed off. Um, I myself, I, I cover Stanford as well. And I've talked to um, Troy Taylor three times already. I've ha- I've interviewed him. Um, I'm working on interviewing the other staffers, whereas Colorado seems a little more close to the chest right now. Um, it feels like they're still trying to get their, their bearings on everybody. Um, they're trying to figure out I guess what to say, um, which which press members to watch out for, Adam. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I feel like the biggest difference is obviously the attention around the program, like you said, the hype, and then obviously the talent of players. I don't know if Colorado has had this many, um, at least not in recent memory, um, this many blue chippers in one area. Um, they have Shadur, who is a former four-star, Travis Hunter, former number one overall recruit. Um, they have guys like Jimmy Horn, who are blue chip transfers uh, Xavier Weaver so can you kind of talk about the roster flip as well because I know that was controversial but I don't know my myself I didn't realize he was going to flip 50 guys for 50 guys Um, that's obviously a a little bit of a overstretch there it's around 50 in and out but I didn't realize he was going to do it to to that extent Um, he said it in the in the team meeting that he was bringing his own luggage it was Louie we all know the saying but did you know it was going to be 50 or around 50 and what is your reaction to it now (laughs) Yeah, it was probably, I don't know, 30% more than what I expected. But I did I did get the sense very early on that even from the time that Coach Prime was touring Colorado's facilities for the first time, that things were running through his head and that he was going to show up to Boulder with a sledgehammer, basically. Uh, and I, I get that thought process when you're taking over a program that went one and 11 and was dead last in the country in scoring margin. And you have the confidence in yourself and in, in the vision. And, and uh, obviously he doesn't have the track record of success at the power five level, but he's never been a head coach at the power five level. And uh, it didn't take him long at Jackson state to get things retooled. And he did it there by doing exactly what he has done at Colorado so far. So it makes sense. Uh, it is crazy. There are some guys that have survived. A uh, Louis Passarello uh, at tight end was a <laughs> forgotten guy that right. even in the Carl Durrell era, folks were like, Louis Passarello is still around. We, folks were kind of surprised that he hadn't transferred out by the time that Coach Prom got. He's a starter. Now. <laughs> and now, yeah. So th- those are cool stories. Uh, you love to see Charlie Offerdahl. Get, get called out by coach prime as much as he did this spring. So uh, yeah. Trevor Woods as well made, made a strong impression. Uh, some of those young linebackers, Marvin Ham and Isaac Hurtado earned their number as well. So uh, I, I've, when I've gotten really discouraged when I think of some of these guys that you've developed a relationship covering their recruiting to the point of them coming to Colorado and developing, and then to see them get cut. And that doesn't feel good. Even if right. you're a reporter that, you still there's a human element of it but then i I try to look to some of those there are some positive stories of guys that have come back there just aren't as many as as the guys that that have been departing uh it's tough when you see 
Montana Lamonius Craig go out there and, and have over 150 yards receiving in the spring game. But I also understand it from the standpoint uh, – he had an opportunity to market himself for NIL after that spring game, which, you know, a lot of those yards came on a busted coverage. Uh, so take that opportunity. Cause right. I think he would have been probably the, maybe the, the fourth receiver at Colorado this year. Maybe he's going to be the fourth receiver uh, or, or third receiver at Arizona, but he's going to be making more money NIL, NIL wise as a result of what he did in the spring game. So uh, most of the moves made sense to me, uh, but it was, crazy it was just non-stop there for a few weeks i'm sure you were covering all that and it was just uh, a constant flow of guys leaving the program and, and it didn't feel right but you understood why it was happening yeah i think the main question especially people in my inner circle they were like is he really getting rid of this many guys and i was like he really is and i was like it's gonna be and this was like pre-spring game i was like the number is gonna keep going up um the spring game which i think montana did the spring game the perfect way i don't know if he was planning on transferring or if maybe he was suggested one of those guys i assume they wanted him back but he probably saw the writing on the wall that their wide receiver room was a little bit full and it was only going to keep getting more full i think he did it the right way you know he kind of popped off in the spring game um 24-7 was tweeting about him. ESPN was tweeting, obviously, because they were covering it. They, everybody was tweeting about Montana Lamonius Craig. He was, I think, and I wrote about it, the MVP of the spring game, really. Um, he had, uh, uh, like you said, it was a bust of coverage on two catches, and they went for like 98 yards, but he he was the star of that game, and I think he kind of took advantage of that and really seized the opportunity, which is what it's all about. Um, we're going to talk about seizing the opportunity in camp, the summer camp, and late fall i guess or late spring camp um but before we do again this episode is brought to you by bird dogs they are the best shorts out there in the game um their their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg giving you a truly sculpted look bird dog shorts do exactly the same exactly the same excuse me as lululemon but they fit way better they fit way better than regular shorts they're made of a stiff that are made of a stiff restricting cotton bird dogs fix these issues by inventing cloud knit fabric so if you want to wear these to a graduation, a dinner, I wore them to play softball the other night. They're versatile shorts. Wear them however you want. Um, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you they're great shorts. Go, go get them. Go get them. Okay. Let's talk about some camp observations. Um, like you talked about off before, before I was mispronouncing your name um, and I actually nailed it twice. We did, we practiced. I was like, tell me your name, nailed it. Okay. Ready. I wasn't ready. Clearly um, camp observations. Um, we're not allowed in um, you're specifically in Boulder. Most of the time I'm in California. So I come over for the, the bigger events, I guess. Um, but nobody's allowed in right now during fall camp or summer camp. So the only person, the only way to get our source of um, Colorado football is the well-off media, um, Deion Sanders Jr., who's done a great job, really. Yeah. Um, he has, it's kind of, it's like a reality TV show sometimes, and then other times it's like I'm watching Hard Knocks. Um, it's a great, it's a great overall production. Um, but what if, what's something that stood out to you in the few videos we've seen so far? Well, first off, yeah, when you've covered college football for a long time, you notice that every summer around this time you hear that guys are getting bigger, faster, stronger. It's the greatest summer workout life. program <laughs> ever. And then they get into the games and, and the proof is in the pudding. And uh, in 2016 at Colorado, all those things we heard all summer showed up and there was great leadership and uh, the rise was real and Colorado won the Pac-12 South. 
Uh, most of those other years I've covered Colorado, I've heard the same positive things this time of year, and uh, things have not panned out uh, once uh, they started hitting uh, bigger opponents out there on the gridiron. So I always take everything that I hear or say this time of year with a grain of salt. Right. Um, in the past, it was interesting. You would work your sources and you'd hear, yeah, this guy came in really looking the part. And, and last summer, it was Jordan Tyson mm. uh, that from the beginning, everybody you'd run into and, and even teammates you just run into around town and they talk about this kid from Texas, Jordan Tyson is going to be really, really good. And that that's kind of how you'd start to build the buzz up leading the camp about some of the, the newcomers. Now you get to see some of this in Giovanni Antonio. I had heard uh, came in looking the part and it's not just hearing that he looked the part. Now you get to see some of the behind the scenes footage and go, Holy crap. Uh, you know, this guy coming in from a lower level, it looks like uh, an NFL type body out there and. It's crazy. Giovanni Antonio is actually bigger than Sedu Traore, a tight end that transferred out of the program uh, right. th this spring. Uh, so he's going to be a factor them, factor for them there. Uh, but yeah, you go on down the line. Cavosier Smoke looks really well put, well put together at the running back position. Um, uh, Derek McClendon looks great on defense. I, I, I have to look at the roster. There, there's a bunch of guys when you start looking at those videos, you go, okay, the, these guys are really passing the eyeball test. That front seven is littered with guys that look the part. Uh, there's a reason why they were brought in, but they have, for the most part, aside from Jordan Tyson and Shane Cox, who established himself this spring, those guys have a lot of question marks with them. I, I think. The, the ceiling in the floor for that front seven defensively is really hazy at this point. I don't quite know what to expect out of that group. Now, other groups, I think receiver with Xavier Weaver coming in uh, and starting to build that chemistry with, with Shadour Sanders. You feel good about that group. Uh, you feel good about the running back group now more so. I mentioned Smoke and Alden McCaskill, the fourth, uh, is a guy that when I watched his film, and I'm not trying to expect that he's going to have Adrian Peterson type success, but I was like, that running style looks exactly like Adrian Peterson had a ton of success as a true freshman at Houston was able to start working off the rust during spring ball as a limited participant before he hit the portal, uh, mm -hmm. good size there. So you feel good about a lot of the positions. Uh, they don't have Cormani McLean in the mix yet. If he shows up and he shows that he's ready to go, you feel really good about the secondary, especially with Shiloh Sanders coming in there. It's good to see Shiloh in those videos. You know, uh, we had, we expected him to be a buff, but until he announced it, we couldn't talk like he was going to be a buff. So right. uh, it's good to, to have that story out there. But yeah, it's just this time of year, it, it's fun for the fans to have that that vision of how things are looking. Whereas in the past, they have to rely just on, for a few notes here and there. Um, and now they actually get to, to see, you know, the the. The fun nature of the summer too, right? I mean, football can't be serious all the time, and, and you see the looser side that these guys bring to, to the table as well. Yeah, and I think one thing to note too for the fans is usually as media members, we kind of, even if we don't have access, a lot of these teams in the spring or summer, whatever season you guys are in, um, they practice outside. So you could just like stroll up and just watch them. And Colorado practices indoors most of the time, which kind of obviously makes it hard because you had to get into the building. Um, I, I liked Javon Antonio, that video. Um, I retweeted it myself. He looks absolutely ma massive. Um, not This is not a comparison as to his skill set. I'm not 
saying that he will be this person, but he reminded me a lot of Calvin Johnson in terms of how just how much bigger he looked than everybody around him. Kind of looked like if you dropped a senior in high school on an eighth grade football field, like he just looks huge. Um, first play of the video, obviously he throws a corner to the ground. Um, may have been offensive pass interference. I don't know. Um, depends on the ref, but was still cool to see. Um, like you said, the running back room is interesting. Um, let's kind of talk about position battles that you're looking out for, because I have three off the top of my head that I'm really intrigued by. I keep getting ripped because I think people don't like my take on these position battles, but safety um, I think is probably the most crowded position room. And there's typically only two of them on the field. Um, you got Trevor Woods competing uh, Shiloh Sanders, Roderick Ward from Southern Utah. Um, you're going to have Miles Slusher, Vito Tisdale. You have five starting caliber safeties. Cameron Simmons, Greg. The six starting. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's the hard part about these position battles is yeah. there's so yeah. many guys and they have six starting caliber safeties really. And probably only two spots unless one of them slides down to nickel, which, again, I don't know how Charles Kelly's defense operates with that much nickel usage. So that's one running back room. I think and this is I'm not trying to do a disservice to Kavosi Smoke or Dylan Edwards, who put in a lot of work this spring. But I think it's Alton McCaskill's job to lose um, receiver. There is a battle for that fourth spot. Uh, I think Travis Hunter, Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weaver are kind of the three guys that I view as the favorites. And then there's that fourth spot that I think is the opening. What what position battles are you looking out for? Uh, if Colorado is going to exceed expectations, and, and I think the odds makers have it at what three and a half wins right now, three and a half, yep, three and a half. To to hit the over on that, uh, I think if the the D line forms around Shane Cokes, we know Shane Cokes came in and was legit this spring, and is not only legit on the field, but has also become the leader of that group. And I thought gave the best speech out of all those leaders, the most well thought out yeah. message yeah. to the team. Ivy league guys though. Ivy league guys. Ivy league guys. And you know, the, the question there was, well, that's, that's quite the jump, right? You know, yeah, he, he had, he had success at that level, but uh, talking to offensive linemen and even his defensive line teammates this spring, I mean, the, people couldn't have said more nice things about what Shane Cokes was doing. So I think he's pretty well established in there, but outside of that, there's a lot of questions there. And so I think the pecking order there on the D line is going to be really interesting. Now that is a group that's going to rotate probably more than any other position on the team. So it's not necessarily about just finding your top three guys. It's going to be about finding six, seven, eight guys, maybe that, that can rotate in there and help you win. And I mentioned there's, a reason you can go down every transfer that came in on the D line, you know, starting with a Leonard Payne Jr. And okay, I see why they brought him in. Mm -hmm. But here's also the question mark was, well, he didn't do this at his last stop, or you know, he wasn't at the power five level, kind of like a Shane Cokes. He's got to come in and prove it this summer. So uh I, I don't know how good that defensive line is gonna be. Now they ran off some guys that were pretty good. Last year, Neem Rodman, Jalen Sami, they right. weren't the reason that Colorado went one and eleven last year. Now they could have been better. There's no question about it. Um, so that's where I think my most critical eye is going to come in in terms of uh, a position battle going into the, the preseason camp. And yeah, safety is going to be intriguing. Now, safety and running back are those positions that we sit here in June and July and dissect to we're, to we're blue in the face, and then injuries tend to dictate those two positions more times than not mm -hmm. but uh safety has been a position 
I feel like I was a broken record for like a decade straight of saying Colorado needs more safeties. They don't have enough depth at safety. <laughs> and now all of a sudden wish. <laughs> Sanders comes into Boulder and it's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like we haven't seen this type of depth. And I started covering Colorado in 03. And so I hear all the stories from Neil Welk and BG Brooks, the old CU reporters that were covering the Bill McCartney years, you know, that were covering this program from the late 80s through the 90s. And they talk about how every position was stacked like that back in the day. I just haven't witnessed it. This is the first time that I've seen a position like safety this stacked in Boulder. Yeah, it's when I looked at the safeties, I'm like, because people keep asking me for two deeps. They keep asking me who who's going to start. I'm like, I really don't know. Like, I, I haven't seen these guys. The only time we see them is the videos. Um, and so I, I feel like Miles Slusher is kind of like someone I just gravitate towards too because he was one of Arkansas's best players. Um, Vito Tisdale has a lot of experience. But then Trevor Woods has a lot of experience. Shiloh Sanders a lot of experience. And so it's just really difficult to kind of decipher who does what. Um, before we keep going, I want to thank all my listeners and watchers and viewers, whatever, however you guys listen to the show for watching every day, every dares. It's what I call my everyday listeners. Make sure to send in your questions. We got a mailbag tomorrow. Um the mailbag gets a little intense, Adam. Um, we have we've addressed Pat Narduzzi. We have addressed um, some starting lineups. Uh, I have a good question tomorrow that I've had to think on, and it's what program is or ha- what coach took over a one and eleven team or two and ten team and had the best jump the next year. And so I got to like do some deep dive for that one because there's been a lot of bad teams, but I don't know if there's been a lot of great turnarounds quickly, <laughs> um, but keep keeping going with the position battles. Um, this one's underrated. Um, people don't care about this when I bring it up, but backup quarterback, God forbid, don't want it to happen. Um, Shadur Sanders could get injured though. We're all human. Um, you can roll your ankle walking down the steps. It happens to the best yep. of us. Uh, I was not, I won't say impressed with the quarterback, Outside of Shadur, obviously, he was great at the spring game. But everyone else, I was like, that's fine. Like, they, they look like backup quarterbacks in college. But if it comes down to we need someone to step up at Colorado, I don't know who that person is. Um, I'm looking at Casey Wiseman to kind of emerge, one of the new newer freshman guys. Um, is that a position battle that you're also looking forward to is the QB2 and QB3 stuff? Yeah, no question. It's funny. When I get asked by random folks – I think you're going to get this too. You always get the question in, in the grocery store line of how many wins are, is Colorado going to get this year? And it's like, it's such a loaded question. And in that setting, you just want to give a quick answer. And I right. always give a response here recently of there's two scenarios. There's one where Shador Sanders stays healthy. Right. And I think Colorado is going to exceed expectations and win five, six, seven games. That's, that's where I'm at too. Yeah. <laughs> There's the scenario where Shadur Sanders does not stay healthy, and I would not want to have that over bet. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's no shot, obviously, at the young quarterbacks in the program. They're just young. That that yeah. you know, it, I, I like some of the stuff that I we saw from Ryan Staub in the two open spring practices this year. I think he his skill set is really going to fit in well with this offense. But gosh, you know, he should have been in high school going to prom, not having to yeah. learn Sean Lewis's up tempo offense, and so. Uh, there was just a clear operation style that Shadur Sanders had that you just can't have as a true freshman coming in as an right. early enrollee. So I don't know, maybe they have a surprise up their sleeve uh, that, that there'll be another quarterback added. I don't know uh, if, if there is going to be, they've done a really, really good job of keeping that under wraps because I think that is the biggest question mark with this team. Now you led into this perfectly because, Shador Sanders is such a smart quarterback and he doesn't take unnecessary hits. And when he has in his college career, 
that's when his dad, Coach Prime, has gotten into his ear and gotten into him. Uh, he's not allowed to take hits out there because they know how valuable he is. But, yeah, yeah you've got 22 guys flying around out there. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, anything can happen. But uh, if there's a quarterback you feel good about being smart in the pocket, it's Shador. But you, there's just no guarantees, like you said. Yeah, and it, it was no knock on the younger guys. It was just when you're watching – because they did, like, the the seven-on-seven seven stuff. When you're watching Shadur go in there, he's zipping throws everywhere. He's precise. He knows where he's going. Most of the time it was to Travis, so I think most of us knew where he was going. But the younger guys, they, they were – they just seemed young and that's okay. I mean, they're like you said, he should have been going to high school prom instead. He was playing against grown men. Um, kind of not that college football is a professional job, but those guys were fighting for their jobs because a lot of those guys were asked to leave the program in the following days. Um, but yeah, that's another position battle I'm looking forward to. Another battle kind of takes place in the boardroom that we're going to talk about is the Pac 12 or Big 12. Is, which one is Colorado better suited for? We'll talk about that when we come back. And we are back. Welcome back. We're going to be talking about the Pac-12 or the Big 12. Um, Yesterday it was reported that the Pac-12 agreed to a grant of rights um, in, I guess, in theory, by handshake via via voicemail. I don't know what it was. Um, No pen was put to paper. So that's all that's all we need. That's all that matters, really. There's no TV deal. No pen was put to paper. Um, Everyone keeps asking me Pac-12, Big 12. Um, I just keep telling them whatever smarter. Um, I don't think Colorado or any team in the Pac-12 wants to leave the Pac-12, but if they force their hand and they're losing a lot of money, shout out Larry Scott and his Comcast adventures. Um, I think that they just got to do what they got to do. What is What have you been hearing over there in Boulder? What's the, the vibe there? Well, the preference all along has been to make it work with the Pac-12. And there's the academic side of it where it makes more sense for Colorado to be in the Pac-12 and I don't know what the number is right now, but I remember when Colorado jumped from the Big 12 to the Pac-12, the figure was there was five times as many CU alumni in the Pac-12 footprint than the Big 12 footprint. So that's a big deal of being able to engage with your donor bases. And uh, let's be honest, like everybody would rather, I'm not, I can't say everybody, but most people would rather travel to, to San Francisco, uh, to the Bay Area, to 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 the Pacific Northwest, to Arizona and LA than a lot of those big 12 cities. But I will tell you, it's been disappointing being on this beat compared to when Colorado was in the big 12 from a passion standpoint. Uh, I've said this many times. It's like the PAC 12 just has this wine and cheese feel to it, to where it does, a yeah. lot of these stadiums you go in. And it's like, I've been in better environments at high school games than, than what we have here. And so that part of it has been tough. And, and certainly the Larry Scott debacle and, and you know, everything that, that's gone wrong with the Pac-12 since Colorado joined it has been, made, put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And so the, the problem is if you go back into the Big 12, it's not the same Big 12 that you left. And so it, it would be different. Now, I think, honestly, as far as we know right now, things are kind of splitting hairs. And I would think the, the fan base is pretty split in terms of what they would prefer. Yeah. What Rick George and – Colorado's administration is going to do is whatever they think is going to be best viewed in the future of college football. And it might not just come down to money for the next five years, but it might be what is the conference and situation that's going to allow us to be at the table when the next, the next domino start to fall with realignment, because that's the key. And and, uh, Brian Howell and I were talking on a video the other day, you know, hiring coach prime and, 
changing some of the restrictions to allow to bring transfers in is a big start for Colorado to be relevant in college football again. Mm-hmm. But they're still not viewed uh, in a very positive light nationally. And yep. that could change quickly, though, because uh, you went out to Boulder uh, and you saw how special a place it is. It, yeah. you know, it's been kind of this, this I, I wouldn't say sleeping giant, but it's been this program that has underachieved for a very long time that should maybe not be at the top of the halves in college football because they don't have that type of donor base. Um, but there's potential. It's, it's a special place and yeah. it needs to have a seat at the table when things get to the next level of college football. We don't know what that's going to look like when that's going to happen, but Colorado has to do whatever it has to put itself in the best position as far as that goes going forward. Yeah, I think the best position, which a lot of people don't want to hear this, the Big 12, I don't think I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Big 12 is a solid option, but they, like you said, the Pac-12, they have more ties here. Um, it makes more sense. Nobody in Boulder is looking forward to a, a five-hour flight to Morgantown, West Virginia. I promise you no, one's, no one is or Orlando to play UCF. Um, I think the Big 12 in theory is a cool idea just because, and I've said this all along, no one likes uncertainty. And right now the Pac-12 is just full of, of uncertainties. And the Big 12 is kind of, they got a more steady direction. Um, but if the Pac-12 can kind of get out of their own way and announce something or at least a semblance of something, I think a lot of people would be sh- surprised at the the response by Pac-12 schools. And yeah, like you said, Boulder Special, um, I think they're a rising program. I actually followed Colorado um, in high, probably my first two years of college because my good friend and high school basketball teammate, Mustafa Johnson, um, played yeah. for Colorado. <laughs> so we played, we went to high school together. And when he was there, they had a very solid year. The COVID year was good. They made it to the Alamo Bowl. And so a lot going on in Colorado. There's a lot to look forward to. Um, I want to thank you again, Adam, for coming on, uh, talking all things Colorado football. Love to have you on again. Um, next time I'll get your name, I promise. Um, <laughs> me and names, you know, people always ask me mine. I got an easy one. It's five letters. You're, you got you got the multiple vowels going on, the four vowels. It, you got a whole thing going on. But I appreciate you coming on. Go follow him on Twitter. I have his Twitter under his name there. And you can follow all of his work over at 24-7, Buff Stampede. Um, make sure to follow along because he's the insider that you need um, on the ground. Um, Adam's, a lot of the stuff I aggregate is from Adam. Adam, and he's got it all. So Adam, again, thank you for coming on. Kevin, it was great meeting you when you came out to Boulder. Look forward to seeing you in person again in the future. And, and this was a lot of fun. So uh, definitely have me on again. Absolutely. We'll see you. Have a great, have a great Wednesday or a great Thursday, everybody.